Good evening. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing Count Your Many Blessings. And then, O oh, church, arise. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. And so amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see the cross, their love and mercy meet. God is stricken, and see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet. For the conqueror has risen, and as the stone is rolled away, and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day, every eye and heart shall see. Let's open 
up with a word of prayer tonight. Brother Will Clark, would you open us in prayer? Would you open us in prayer? Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask that you be with as we hear the word tonight and be with the pastor. Be with everywhere else in the church. And we ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. 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 Please be seated. And let's continue in singing. Faith is the victory. And then shout to the north. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. That overcomes the world On every hand the foe we find Drawn up in dread array Let tents of ease be left behind And onward to the fray Salvation's helmet on each head With truth all girt about The earth shall tremble neath our tread And echo with our shouts Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. To him that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall be given. Before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame. Vanquish all the hosts of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. Men of faith, rise up and sing of the great and glorious King. You are strong. Your brokenness complete. Shout to the north and the south, sing to the east and the west. Jesus is Savior to all, Lord of heaven and earth. Rise up, church, with broken wings, fill this place with songs again of our God who reigns on high. By his grace again we'll fly. Shout to the north and the south. Sing to the east and the west. Jesus is Savior to all. Lord of heaven and earth. Let the glory of the shall proclaim to the corners of the earth that Christ has come. Let the nations be glad, let the people rejoice, for salvation belongs to our God. Let 
I'd like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, and we're going to go to Genesis chapter 24. This is such a wonderful text in the Old Testament. The title of our message tonight is Godly People Get the Job Done. Godly People Get the Job Done. And we're going to find in this text where Abraham chooses a faithful man to get a very important job done for him. And I think it's so important for us sometimes to go back and just look in the Bible and learn life lessons by what the Lord has given us. Your Bible is only so big, 66 books in the Bible. And when you understand that God could have gone ahead and sent us he could have inspired volumes and volumes and libraries and buildings full of books, but he condensed down into one compilation, a small book we could carry, the truths that we could take to help us to live a better life and to have eternal life through our Lord. When we come to Genesis chapter 24, we find Abraham as a very old man winding down, coming soon to the end of his life. And he's very concerned about his son of promise. The promise that was going to be the part of that Abrahamic promise. That, <coughs> that, covenant, <coughs> that covenant between God and him concerning the nation of Israel and all that would come. But as Abraham became old, he became concerned. <coughs> because he did not have a wife for Isaac. 
And he looked around in the land that he lived, and all there were were Canaanites and Canaanite women. And he wanted to make sure that his son married into the line, that Abrahamic line. And so he takes his servant, and he sends his servant to find a bride for his son. Now, that's not the way we normally do it nowadays, although sometimes I wonder if maybe it wouldn't work out better. Who knows? But it's certainly the way it worked out for Abraham and Isaac. And I'm going to read the text to you. And my goal tonight for us as we go to the Word of God is just to learn how to do a better job in whatever it is that God has called us to do. No matter where it is the Lord sends us, we should be that godly person who gets the job done. And here we're going to find Abraham's servant as that individual. So Genesis chapter 24, and I'm going to read to you verses. Uh, I think I'm going to break it up into pieces. Instead of reading the whole thing, I'm going to break it into my points. So I'm going to read to you first the verses 1 down through 9. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of, your, of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, the women will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou comest, or camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou, that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee. And thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the women will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the, the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. So as we look here in verses 1 down through 9, what I want you to see is that if godly people are going to get the job done, they need to take their commitment seriously. So Abraham looks among all his servants, and it says he chose his oldest that had been long, the, the longest with him. He chooses that man to get the job done. Abraham had watched his life. He knew this individual. He knew his commitment. He knew how he worked. He knew how he organized. He knew his relationship with God. And he says, you are the man. It's interesting when you see the covenant made. And this is an Old Testament covenant. It's part of the culture of the people at that time. He asks him to put his hand underneath his thigh. And he says, I want you to make a covenant between me and God that you will fulfill what I've asked you to do. And it's a simple task. He simply wants him to go back to his homeland and there find a bride for his son Isaac. And he says, bring that bride here that they might marry. 
And I think the, the servant asked a very logical question. He said, and what if the women there won't come here? And I think that's pretty logical, isn't it? I mean, if you go to an odd city and you ride up with your camels and start asking around for a girl who's willing to go ahead and traipse back off with you with the camels to a guy she's never met, I think it'd be hard to get. It's a hard sell in my mind. So the servant asks, and what's Abraham say? He says, absolutely do not bring my son back to that land. And why? Because God had made a covenant with Abraham that this land where he was, was to be his promise. And he didn't want his son to go back because maybe the son would go back and the girls would catch his eye and he wouldn't come back. So he says, do not take my son there. Now, as we pick it up, look with me at verse two. It says, and Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. I think there's a key lesson here when it says to us that this servant was the servant that ruled over all that he had. This is a servant had, who had proved his worth. I've said it many times. If you really want to find somebody that'll get the job done, you find somebody who's busy. If it's the person who never has anything to do, never doing anything, if you give them a job, they will probably never get that job done. But if you see somebody who works hard and works consistently and gets the job done, if you get that person to commit to the job, they will probably do it. And that's exactly what Abraham saw with uh, this servant. He says to him, I need you to do a task. Now, it's not that he didn't have plenty to do already. He was over everything that Abraham had. And Abraham was greatly blessed with many servants much livestock. He had great responsibility, but yet he could get one more thing done. And that is the proof of an industrious person. When we come down to verses five and six, look at what transpires. And the servant said unto him, peradventure the women will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou, that thou bring not my son thither again. This servant wanted to make sure he fully understand, understood. The details of the job matter. In all of our lives, if we're going to be a good employee, we need to make sure we pay attention to detail. One of the things through the years of building the buildings here was certain people had habits, detail habits. Louis, as an electrician, and I realize he's retired now, he does a little bit, but not full time. But when we started wiring these buildings, he was a very detailed person, wanted all his wire, none of that twisted wire, none of that wandering wire, wanted it all straight, flat, in each and every one of those bays as it came down. And so if we would help him, we had to do it like him because it was the right way to do it. And here you find the servant. He wants to make sure he understands the details. That's why he asks Abraham about going, coming. Should I bring him? Should I not? He wants to know the details. He wants to make sure he does it right. And I think for all of us, 
If we're going to take our commitment seriously, we need to be that trustworthy, industrious person on our job, in our community. We need to be that person who does pay attention to details to make sure it's right. I was talking to our young state trooper here in the back seat uh, the other day, and he was talking to me about the hat. Because that trooper hat, you look at that trooper hat, man, when they have that thing on, we're talking about something that it's got detail to it. And I asked him, how do you keep that whole thing so straight and true? He has his own hat press. He's going to pay attention to the detail. I think that's important. As you come down here, look with me at verse 9 in the text that I read to you. As we consider how seriously this servant took the commandment, the, the request of his employer. Verse 9, it says, And the servant put his hand under the thigh of, his, of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. His word was worth everything, wasn't it? Between Abraham and him, they had made a pact. Their word was worth more than a written contract. He simply put his hand under his thigh, that place where the blood flowed through Abraham, connected to him. It was a covenant made, and it was a word-to-word. -word. They did not have to have somebody come and, and draft up a document. They didn't have to have somebody come and notarize it. They didn't need a ton of witnesses. These two had a covenant between each other and God, and that was good enough. And it really should be that each of us, in our jobs in the things that we do in our community, our interaction with others. It should be that our word is worth enough. It should be that people can trust it. They can know it's like the value of gold. That's exactly what takes place here with Abraham in this very, very trusted servant. When we come down to verses 10 and 11, I'm gonna read those to you. We find that this servant was aggressive in his effort. And I think that's part of being an, a, 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 an industrious person, isn't it? To get it done and get it done like you mean it. Look at what takes place in verses 10 and 11. And the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go down to draw the water. What did he do? He immediately went to work. The text reminds us in verse 10 that all the goods of the master were under his hand. He was over all things, wasn't he? But how many did he take? He only took 10. And that's because he knew what he needed. He calculated, he figured out, and he got right down to it. He didn't need 300 camels. He didn't need 60 sheep and seven head of cattle. He needed 10 camels to carry what he needed to get to the destination. So he loaded up the 10 camels and he heads out. And we find that he is concerned about making sure he does it correctly. It tells us exactly where he went. It says that he arose, and went to Mesopotamia, unto the city of Nahor, and there he had his camel kneel down outside the city. He was concerned about getting it done, getting it done right. But not only did he have 10 camels who were loaded up with enough to get him there, 
Don't forget, he has to get back, doesn't he? So he had to make sure he had enough to get there and get back. And for you and I on our jobs, when, when we are given a responsibility, we have to give it enough thought to look and really count the cost. You know, the Bible tells us that no man builds a house that he doesn't count the cost. Why? Because you will only be able to partially build it. Must count the cost. This servant here, he evaluated the, the situation. He knew exactly what he needed. He was purposeful and he got after it immediately. When you come down to verse 11, it tells us he made his camel to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that the women go out to draw water. So we find that he went straight to the location and he found the most productive place to get the job done. So like if you're, if you're working for a farmer and he says to you, I need you to plant me a field of corn. You're not going to go to the local high school and start planting corn seed in the paved parking lot, are you? That's not wise. That's not a good use of your time. You're not going to be able to be productive. No, what you're going to do is you're going to look at the farmer's fields and you're going to decide which is the most productive and then I'm going to go and I'm going to go to that field. And you need to go at the right time, don't you? And that's exactly what he did. It tells us that he had his camel kneel outside of the city. And he did it when? He did it in the evening. Even the time the women to go to draw the water. So this is an employee of Abraham who's somebody who's really looking. He's thinking. He's contemplating. He gets after it. He gets there. And when he gets there, he gets right to the job. He goes to the right place at the right time with the right purpose. Now, he could have gone ahead and pulled up in town, found himself a hotel room, gone to eat dinner. He could have gone ahead, maybe gone to a show or two, met some new friends, but that's not what he does. He gets to the city and he finds exactly the right place at the right time to accomplish the task that it is at hand. And you and I as employees, you and I who work for others, you and I that are godly people that need to get the job done, we need to be that purposeful. Abraham's servant is somebody who really reflects the work ethic that has been driven into the American psyche ever since we were founded as a nation. It is why we talk about the fact that our nation is one nation under God. Because throughout the history of our country, lessons like this have been drawn out to teach us, well, how did people do things in the Bible? And can I apply these things to myself? As we come down to verses 12 through 14, we find that this servant, not only is he really diligent about getting the job done, he's prayerful. He's prayerful about his job. Look with me, if you would, at 12, 13, and 14 in our text. So he pulls the 10 camels up outside the city gate at the well in the evening at the time that the women are coming out to draw water. Why? His purpose is to find a wife for Isaac. So what's he doing? Verse 12. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. 
And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. So we find that this servant does not pray a selfish prayer, but a purposeful prayer. He knew Abraham's faith and he knew Abraham's God. He had sat in that household and had been promoted to be over all that there was. He knew who Abraham's God was. And everything indicates here that he himself was a man of God as well. He was comfortable to pray. He was comfortable to come before God with the need that was at hand. It's interesting in verse 12 when it says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. You and I, when we read that, spend me, send me good speed, you, you think to yourself that that means timeliness, fast, fast, make it happen. But in reality, the English word, that old English word to send me good speed simply meant send me prosperity, send me your blessing, send me that which would make this happen according to your will, Lord. So he's reaching out and he's asking God, God, I need you to help me do my job. And that is, a, that is a positive thing for any one of us to do in our lives. Whether we're raising our children, whether we're working in a machine shop or a gas station, or you work for NASA and you're sending rockets to the moon, it should be that we are people who are prayerful, asking the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom. I need your blessing. I need your speed in my life. I need you to help me get the job done. When you look down there at the second part of verse 12, it tells us that he cries out to the Lord. He says, Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. You and I as employees, sometimes if we're not careful, we forget that when our boss does well, we do well. When we hurt him, we hurt us. So if you steal from your boss, you're stealing from the company, you're only hurting yourself. If you're sneaking off and taking 45 minute naps somewhere in the building and he thinks you're being productive, you're only robbing yourself because the company is not going to do well. Here he says, Lord, help me to get the job done productively that I might bless Abraham. Because if Abraham's blessed, he's blessed. And you and I in our lives, in the jobs that we do, if we do our job well, then 99.9% .9 of the time we're gonna be treated well. And I, t I mention it all the time. If you hate where you work, if you hate what you do, you just start asking the Lord, Lord, give me, give me a job that I can love. Give me a job that I, that I like to do. Don't quit first. But you ask the Lord to open a door that you might step in. But here, this servant, he loved Abraham. He loved the job he had. And he wanted God to bless Abraham through his efforts. 
you and I in our lives, we would learn, we would do well to learn those kind of work ethics. We would do well to teach them to our children from the earliest age so, so that they might be as blessed as this servant was blessed. Look at verses 13 and 14, and you find how very specific his prayer was. Not only was he asking for God to give him prosperity or speed in his job, not only was he asking Abraham to be blessed through the efforts of his labor, but he's very specific about his prayer. Listen to what he says in verse 13. Behold, <coughs> I stand here by the well of water. Now God knew, didn't he? He saw where he was, but this guy's talking to the Lord. He's talking to God as his friend. He says, Lord, here I am standing by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city, they're coming out to draw water. It's not that the Lord didn't see that and know that. The Lord saw it and knew it. But he's talking to the Lord. The Lord is his friend, just as he is ours. Verse 14. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink. And I will give thy camels drink also. And the servant says, let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. You and I, when it comes to our prayer life, we should be specific. Yes, we should be comfortable. And the servant is comfortable talking to God. He's talking to God about where he is. He's talking to God about what he's doing. But he very specifically asks the Lord to help him in the job that he's doing. He says, Lord, what I'd if you would, just as these gals come down, I'm going to ask for a drink of water. And if she will just come and give me that drink of water, and then look at me and say, let me, let me get all the water for your camels too. Now somebody tell me, how many camels are there? Ten, Ten camels. Now I have, my cows went for the big ride this fall, so I have no cows right now. But does anybody know how much, how much water a cow drinks a day? Not as much as a camel. Not as much as a camel. That's a good answer, Louie. It's not where I was going, though. They say a cow on just casual circumstances, not a milk cow, but just a cow like mine were, uh, five gallons a day. Have to has a, have five gallons a day. So if you have a five gallon bucket, how many is that times 10? 50 gallons. So let's take Louis at, the, at his word that a camel drinks more than a cow. So maybe double, I don't know, maybe 10 gallons. So how much water is that for 10 camels? It's a hundred gallons of water. But let's, let's go ahead and say Louis knows nothing about camels and let's go back to cows. Five gallons per animal, 50 gallons of water. Now this is not somebody who's, you know, hitting a button and the, and the pitcher's going down into the well hit a button and it comes back up and they're going ahead and manually 
to, you know, with some device, putting it in and it's flowing over to the camels. Read the text. She's got a picture. Now they're not small pictures. They're big pictures. But still, she has to haul out of the well by rope. She's got to make sure she's not banging the sides because she'll break her pitcher. Because we're not talking copper, stainless steel. We're talking made out of pottery. So she's got to be very precise pulling that up, bringing up over the side, carrying it, going over, and giving the water for her cow, uh, her camel. Sorry, Louie. You threw me off. Uh, or I threw me off. So he, she has to do that. Say her pitcher is five gallons, which is a pretty good sized pitcher. She's got to do that how many times? Ten times. So this is not a casual, you know, for her to say to the servant, here, take your drink and drink all that you have. Am I wrong, Ann? Is that why you're showing people things? 30 gallons in 15 minutes. 30 gallons. They have the capacity to drink 30 gallons in 15 minutes? So I don't know. What? what? I was going to say, I thought they drank a lot more than 5 gallons. I don't know. Now I'll have to check it because I... I Googled it to make sure I always had a minimum of five gallons per day for each cow. But hey, yeah, dairy cows. Well, I don't know. Thank you all very much. And if you can do a little more research on that for me, that'd be great. Yeah. When I see people turning around with their cameras like this, you know, and they're doing, I'm figuring somebody's somebody's trying to make a point here, and so. We'll find out how many gallons of water it really takes that a cow, not a milking cow, but a regular cow requires minimally a day. That's my goal. Anyways, she's got to haul this water. Now, if it's a milking camel, we're talking 35 gallons a day that that cow has to have. I mean, that camel. So, all the way around, this girl is a worker. Isn't she? Amen. And so what, what Abraham's servant says here is evidence that he's looking for. He doesn't want, he doesn't want some gal who's just going to sit back and she's lazy. He's wanting, he's wanting Isaac to have an industrious wife. Somebody who's willing to serve others, get the job done. And so he says to the Lord very specifically, have her go ahead and be willing to get me water and water for my camels. When I read that, I thought to myself, I thought he brought servants too. He did. If you read the text, he has servants with him. So for this girl to volunteer to do all this hauling, don't you imagine in her mind she's thinking, What's with these servants? They could at least help me haul all this water, but she's willing to do it and she does it. That's quite a task. That's a worker at heart. And this servant of Abraham, he was looking for somebody with a servant's heart. And he very specifically asked God for things to happen a certain way 
You and I, we would do well to go to the Lord and be specific. Be specific in our prayer life. If you want God to help you on your job, be specific. If you want him to help you with, with people that you're having a difficulty with on the job, pray specifically. If you need to see a certain productivity happen in your life, be specific with God. Ask him to help you. That's exactly what this servant did. He reached out to the Lord, talked about where he was, what was happening around him, people coming out of the city and getting water. He let the Lord know, I need to find a, a girl for Isaac, and this is my goal, and Lord, here's how I would like to see it happen. But what's really important is that we expect, we expect great things from God. He is aware of our needs. I want you to look with me at verses 15 down through 20. And I want you to listen closely as I read the text. Listen to way, the way the Lord puts this all together for this servant. And it came to pass before he had done speaking that behold, Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. When we look at this, we find that God was at work all along. So you and I, when we pray to the Lord and we ask God to help us on our job and in the things that we do and all the efforts we put forth, we should remember, even as Abraham's servant went forth, God was already at work. And that's what we learn right there from verse 15. Look at what it says again. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. So before the servant had even done finished his prayer, behold, Rebekah came out. And who was Rebekah? She was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Now, why had Abraham sent his servant back to his homeland? He said, because I want to get a wife for my son of my kindred. Now, granted, nowadays, if you send somebody to get your cousin to marry your son or whatever the case is, that might not fly so well in our culture. But in theirs, it was different. And here we find that the Lord had it already in place. Here's Abraham's brother's son's daughter somewhere in that mix. There she is coming out of the city gate. And she is coming to do the work. And she is going to do it exactly the way God wanted. 
So we know that the Lord was already at work. We know that Abraham's servant believed God. He prayed and he asked God and he was watching for God to provide. James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 says, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You and I need to be a prayerful, believing people. That's what this servant was. He asked God unwaveringly, and God had already initiated the answer to the prayer. Even before he was finished with the prayer. And then you see how specific God answered it. As the servant ran over to her, she's carrying that pitcher of water. He goes over and he asks simply, can I have a little drink, a little water out of that pitcher, he says in verse 17. And she goes ahead and lets down her pitcher, her pitcher upon her hand, and she gives him to drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she says to him, let me do it for your camels as well. Exactly as the servant had asked. God does answer our prayers, but we need to be very much sincere, stable, not like the wave of the sea blowing to and fro, but rather stable, asking God, believing God. You and I, our faith should be solid. We've seen the Lord work in our lives. We've seen the Lord work in our church. So had an Abraham servant. He had observed his master throughout his life. He had seen Isaac born. In fact, if you read down through the rest of the text, he will tell Abraham's brother's family, he'll say, listen, my master Abraham, he is old. And in his old age, he has been given a son. This servant saw God do miracles. And you and I, we see God do miracles. We see them go on around us all the time. And it should make our faith strong. And that's exactly how it was with this servant. His faith was strong. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You and I need to be people who are not double-minded. We are purposeful. We want to do what God has called us to do. We set out to do what God has called us to do. We're purposeful. We're diligent. We do it with intent, but we do it with the Lord. Amen? Amen? That's my Bible lesson, my message for tonight. So let's have a word of prayer. And if I could, I'd like to meet with our church officers, all the officers. We can meet with trustees, deacons, clerks, treasurers. And we're going to all talk about our all Thanksgiving dinner next Sunday. Amen? Because we're going to do it purposefully. We're going to do it intentionally. We're going to do it diligently. And Lord willing, we will do it well. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the way that you provide for us in each one of our lives. And Lord, I do thank you so much for the way you answer prayer. In my personal life, in our church's life. Lord, we see you do miracles all the time. Help us to do all that we do as unto you, for you are worthy. In Christ's name we pray, amen.